Kia ora koutou, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Sana. My name is Natalie, if we haven't met. Um, and if you're new here, a very, very warm welcome. I'm on staff here at Central Vineyard. And um, we've been in this series together called Holy Following Christ. Uh, and in this series, we've kind of been exploring what a beautiful and balanced vision of the Christian life looks like. And so today is going to be the final kind of part of our three-part introductions, and we're going to talk about change. What is it? Is it possible? And how are we going to do it? So would you stand with me? Would you eat too? And we're going to read out of Scripture. Just kidding. I need to click myself. <laughs> so Luke 5, if you've got a Bible, feel free to open at Luke 5, verse 1 to 11. On one occasion, while Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the crowd pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into the boat belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And sitting down, he taught the people from the boat. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. That's not me, is it? Master, Simon replied, we have worked hard all night without catching anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet. Go away from me, Lord, he said, for I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were his partners, James and John, the son of Zebedee. Do not be afraid, Jesus said to Simon. From now on, you will catch men. And when they had brought their boats ashore, they left everything and followed him. Feel free to grab a seat. So for the last couple of weeks, we've laid out this vision and intention behind our next series. We've answered this question, why are we doing a series about following Jesus holistically? And the answer is simply this, Jesus offers us life to the full, the abundant life. And last week, Leish took us through who this Jesus is that we're following. She said that the most important thing about us, the most important thing is what we think about when we think about God and that God is fully revealed in Jesus and that this is the Jesus we're following. He's the one who calls us beloved and who leads us into life to the full. And this invitation we've been saying is like a valuable gemstone. It's like a diamond. A multi-dimensional vision that Jesus brings to us. So to recap these dimensions, we see Jesus living with a compassionate life. We see him living with a prayerful life, with a word-anchored life, a consecrated life, an incarnational life, and a spirit 
empowered life. And this, brothers and sisters, isn't anything new. The people in the church have been attempting to live into this vision for the last 2,000 years. Richard Foster, in his book, Streams of Living Water, says this, when Jesus walked across the pages of human history, people, astonished by what he did and said, exclaimed, never has anyone spoken like this. And, it's appropriate to add, never has anyone lived like this. Jesus captivates our imaginations and wins our hearts because he was and is the very son of God with the power and the life to transform and empower our lives. Amen. Do you think about the life of Jesus like this? As a vision to capture your heart and your imagination with the power to transform and empower you. And following Jesus, our lives too can be prayer-filled, compassionate, incarnational, word-anchored, consecrated. And so, in saying all of that, where do we start? Because so often when we think about change, we get stuck. We get stuck in all sorts of things, in emotional pain, in addiction, or it can just feel plainly overwhelming. Well, to start us off, let's listen to what another wisdom teacher has to say on the matter. This is Ted Lasso. All right now, fellas, hey, let's focus up, huh? So I've been hearing this phrase y'all got over here that I ain't too crazy about. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you. Y'all know that? I disagree, you know? I think it's the lack of hope that comes and gets you. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Now, where I'm from, we got a saying too. Yeah? Uh, question, actually. Do you believe in miracles? Now, I don't need y'all to answer that question for me. But I do want you to answer that question for yourselves. Right now. Do you believe in miracles? And if you do, then I want y'all to circle up with me right now. Come on, let's go. Get in here. All right, Captain, let them know. All right, Captain, let them know. Mission on 12. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven. Twelve. Any Ted Lasso fans in the room? <laughs> oh, that was a paid partnership, by the way, with that little cap that they were going to buy. <laughs> um, Ted Lasso says, and I love the show. 
There's a phrase y'all reason around here. It's the hope that kills you. And he says, I disagree. It's the lack of hope that kills you, I think. He says, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. And what he's saying is this. You can only start living the story that you believe is possible. If you know this show, this is the sign of Ted putting up the sign believe in the football club's locker room. And this team kept losing because they didn't have the vision. They didn't actually think that they could win the championship. And Ted Lasso inspired this team to see a new vision, to believe that change was possible. So we, before we get to the how of these six ways of Jesus and delve into the life, we have to face this. You can only start living the story that you believe is possible. In our scripture text for today, Jesus calls his first disciples to follow him. And for a bit of context, this is Jesus who had just come out from the wilderness. He's been fasting and praying. He was tempted by the Spirit. And he comes out um, to these guys who have had a very long night out on the water trying to catch some fish. And they haven't caught anything because they, being Jews, try to catch them um, before the sun comes up. And then when the daylight just kind of breaks, Jesus comes along and he casually gets into their boat and he's like, hey guys, can I use your boat as a stage? And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. So he kind of pushes away, preaches to the crowd, this awesome message. And then he turns back to these guys, Peter, James, Andrew, and John. And he says, go back, go back and try again to catch some fish. And by this point, it's already daylight. You know, surely they're not going to catch anything now. But Jesus asks them to trust him. Then in the most unlikely of ways, in the most unlikely of times, that they will catch something. And we read the story. They did. And Jesus comes in then and tells them, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus invites them to leave their old lives and step into a new story. And he's asking, do you trust me? He is saying, do you believe in a better story? And maybe this right here is the crux of this talk for you today. And the rest will just be noise. Do you believe in a better story that Jesus offers us? And if you don't, why not? We've got to wrestle with this before we can move on to the how and the change. Okay. So, let's say we do believe this. We believe Jesus when he says, come and follow me and I will lead you into abundant life. To step into this vision. Then where do we start? Because when we think about change, it's really helpful to take a step back and look at what has changed and shaped us up to this point in our lives. So a general consensus exists among scientists today 
that, you, that we humans are shaped largely by two things, our genes and our environment. Our genes determine things like the color of our eyes, the color of our hair, all that big B, little B, your teen biology stuff that you would have all learned. And it also influences some aspects of our personality. For example, did you know that up to 50% of happiness is genetic? So for about 50% of the room, you guys just wake up on the right side of the bed. You get up in the morning and you're feeling good about life. You probably don't even need a coffee or maybe just one. And you're the one that walks into the office really chatty, really happy. And the other 50% of us just wish you can turn it down just a little bit. because you guys have won the genetic lottery, my friends. But luckily for the rest of us in the room, genetics is not all that shapes us. We're also shaped by our environments. Growing up as little girls and boys, we learn things to do that make us feel safe, that you know our caregivers approve of, that doesn't upset them. We learn the right things to do. And all of you in the room can probably think of some ways for better or for worse, that your upbringing have shaped the way you are today. And so we learn behaviours that gets us praise or, you know, that avoids those that doesn't. And both of these, our genes and our environment, has shaped us over the years. But what many of us often don't realise is that our formation isn't yet complete. We can't do much about our genetics at this point, but we still change in response to our environments. The founder and leader of Practicing the Way, John Mark Comer, who we're big fans of around here, calls this unintentional spiritual formation. He says that we're shaped by our environments in three ways today, by the stories we believe, the habits we have, and the relationships we cultivate. So a quick word on each. First, the stories we believe. We humans are story creatures. We love a beautiful story, don't we, of two people finding their way back to each other after a long time of struggle. We love films and books and movies because they tell us something about who we are, about our identities. Jonathan Gottschall calls us storytelling animals. And there are stories all around us. One of the, the examples of this is the story of consumerism. We're bombarded every day with ads and ideas telling us that our lives can be just a little bit better. And so often these stories are tailored to our individual preferences now. You know, we might hear an ad on the radio for a super comfy couch with this texture and that kind of specs, and we're like, oh yeah, cool, don't really need that. But oh my gosh, Instagram ads knows exactly what I need to make my life better. For example, my Instagram ads knows that that beautiful organic linen dress is just going to take that, just that notch up. Or another thing I need is, you know, those beautiful minimalist pantries that like have all the clear glass jars with the wooden tops and you've got your oats and your pasta and it's all like labelled with a beautiful white chalk pen. Is that just me? I need that. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
And even the Christian ads are sneaky now. You know, if I only have this beautiful leather journal that I can write all of my prayers in, then I'll finally have the devotional life that I really want. Then I can finally have intimacy with the Father. And this story, this story that my life can become just a bit better is seeping into my bones more and more that this thing will be the missing piece. And this story shapes me deeply and it leaves me and maybe it leaves you with a heart of discontent. It says, I'm not enough and my life isn't enough just yet. Our environment forms us subtly to believe stories about our lives. Second, we're formed... Oh. My bad. Second, we're formed by our habits. All sorts of work has been done about this idea of the power of habit. We are very little more than the cumulative effect of our daily and our weekly habits. John Mark Comer says this, the things we do, do something to us. So, for this, we'll use cheese as an example. Why don't we? So about five years ago, I decided to go vegan. I was passionate about the environment, I saw the health benefits, I watched all the documentaries, and I was convinced that this is the diet that I want to follow. And so, you know, I got a bunch of new recipes, reorganized my shopping habits around this, and it was hard, but it went all right. Until one fateful night, a few weeks into the journey, where we got invited to go to a party. And being the classic vegans, you know, we took our corn chips and our hummus and our guac, and we were snack ready. Until I saw it. A delicious looking hunk of camembert just looking up at me from the table. And at that moment, all of my loves and my longings were focused on this piece of camembert, all the documentaries out the window. And I ate as much of that cheese as was socially acceptable at that party. Because, <laughs> you know, I knew that cheese was evil in my head, but I still loved it. And eating that first bite only made me want to eat more. A silly analogy to say this. What you love has far more of an effect on your life than what you know to be true in your head. And this was true for me of cheese, but it can also be true of much deeper, much more serious things. What wants and longings are beneath the surface of your life? Does your habits include checking your phone first thing in the morning? Or overeating after an emotional day at work? or habitually drinking a bottle of wine each night, or watching that slightly questionable show on Netflix. And none of these things are terrible in themselves, but they, they are habits that shape us. And they shape us into becoming certain types of people. And the more we do them, the more we want to do them, and the more we actually do them, the more they shape us. 
the more I eat at that cheese, the more I wanted to. The more I shop, the more I want to shop, the more discontent my heart becomes, the more I shop in response. But the good news for us is that this is true conversely as well. The more time I spend with Jesus, the more time I want to spend with Jesus, the more I become the sort of person who wants to pray and spend time with Jesus and lean into the good life with the Father. What we do form our hearts. James K.A. Smith, who's the author of the book, You Are What You Love, says this, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. And finally, our relationships shape us. And we know this intuitively, don't we? We become like the people we spend time with. We think like them, we start to dress like them, we're into the same TV shows as them. The people we hang around with influences the type of people we become. And so together these three, the stories we believe, the habits we have, and the relationships we cultivate all form us. And this happens in an environment. It happens in this church, hanging out in this city, doing the job you do. And they all take you towards a vision of life. Whether you're aware of that vision or not is the question. And so in this series, we believe that change starts with believing in this vision that Jesus has for us and trusting in that vision. And then it moves us to exercising our will to become the sort of people we want to be. Because the good news is, the final element of who we are is free will. We're not just the product of our genes and our environment. We have agency. There's something inside all of us that gets to decide who we become and what we do. Dallas Willard defines spiritual formation like this. He says, it is the process of transformation of the inmost dimension of the human being, the heart, which is the same as the spirit or the will. So in the coming months, we'll be asking you to guide your heart, your will, and your spirit to go with us on a journey of being actively transformed into this new vision of Jesus. And as we've seen, we don't start from a blank slate. We are already being formed and changed by the relationships we have, by um, the habits we have, and the stories we believe. So this series will help us change with three counterformational things that we can intentionally choose. And we call this, very originally, intentional spiritual formation. First, to counter the stories we believe, we will have teaching. So for each of the six areas of the vision in the life of Jesus, we'll talk about some of the narratives we hold, some of the stories we believe, about our culture, about our world, about our experiences. For example, maybe you've grown up thinking about the word-anchored life and you decided it's just not for you. You understand that Jesus valued scripture, but you think the Bible might just be a bit outdated. 
And you know, there's been so much discrimination and violence committing, committed by quoting scripture out of context that you just don't want anything to do with it. And we get that. I get that. Or maybe you're feeling a little bit skeptical about the spirit-filled life. You know, you've just had one too many bad experiences with Holy Spirit tunnels and people trying to force you to speak in tongues. And that is all okay. We get that. So for each week's teaching that we will have, we ask that you simply recognize the story that you are believing. And we ask for that month that you practice wonder and curiosity. Pete Scazzaro, the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, encourages us to turn to wonder when we're faced with something different than what we already think. He writes, if you feel defensive about what is shared, ask yourself, I wonder what brought them to this belief. I wonder what my reaction teaches me about myself. And this is hard. This is hard to lean into. And we ask that instead of possibly just dismissing an entire facet and missing the goodness that can be in there, we invite you to choose to practice wonder by listening to the teachings with an open heart and an open mind. Secondly, to counter our habits, we will have practices. As we go through this series, we'll have various practices to counter the habits we already have, whether they are good or bad. And we'll ask you to try out some of these practices that Jesus did, to try to help you to get these ideas into your bones and not just in your head. You know, it'd be awesome if we can just learn something with our minds and then live it. I wish I could just read a book about the health benefits of being vegan and never flirt with cheese again. Or wouldn't it be great if we can just read the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about not worrying and looking at the birds and we just go, done, downloaded, thanks Jesus, so zen, never worrying again. But unfortunately, sadly for us, Transformation doesn't work like this. Practices are aimed at our hearts and our bodies, not our minds. They shape the direction of our loves. And so I want to challenge you, as we start looking over the coming months at these six areas of Jesus' life, would you sign up for the practices of his life? For each of these areas, there'll be some clear calls to practice what we preach. So will you say yes? Will you give it a go? Come along on this journey and start using your body to shape your heart and your mind and to be formed into the image of Jesus. And thirdly, we want to do this in community. So if you're in a circle, we strongly encourage you as we embark on this journey together to follow along in the weekly resources and to practice these things together. And if you're not, why don't you join one? 
Or why don't you grab two or three people around you for the next few months and delve into this together? Because you know, we deeply believe that lasting change only happens in community. We all need someone to say to us when we veer off path, hey, hey Natalie, that's not who you are. I know you. Come along. Come back to the way of Jesus. And then finally, of course, the center of it all, we don't do anything and any of this without the Holy Spirit. He is the center, the one who comes and empowers us to rewrite our stories with good teaching. He is the one present and working in all the practices of Jesus to transform us. And his goal is always to make you more and more into a person of love. To make you whole. To give you life to the full. And he is speaking in and through your community, the companions you have on this life. Because following Christ isn't a life alone, it's a life in community. And this journey of change isn't easy. We're not going to pretend it is, but it is so worth it. And the Holy Spirit is faithful to complete this good work in you. He is partnering with you to change. He is for you every step of the way. One of my favorite quotes from Dallas Willard says this, Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Following Jesus is a call to a life of grace. It's a call to an easy burden, a call to come follow him into a life of greater freedom, where we're no longer slaves to the things we were before, where our shame is washed away and we're forgiven. Jesus calls us to be his, his beloved, and that's a life of pure grace. And the disciples followed him. They dropped their nets, they learned the ways of Jesus, they imitated him, they debated with Jesus and with each other as they tried to figure this life out. And there's effort involved, and grace isn't opposed to that at all. And it's the same with us today. In these fixed facets of holistically following Jesus, that doesn't earn us anything if we try really hard. We are already grace-filled and beloved and loved. But all these things do is they make room for the Holy Spirit to grow and to transform us into people who have life to the full abundantly. You know, we use this image of a diamond to represent the life of Jesus. And maybe you're very comfortable in one or two of these facets already. But the thing about a diamond is the more cuts it has, the more light it can let through, the more it sparkles. And it's the same with us the more and more facets of the life of Jesus we can incorporate in our lives, the more light 
and love of the Father our lives can let through and the more whole we can become. So, Central Vineyard, my benediction today is that the Lord may continue to do his good work of making us whole. May we begin to know more and more of the facets of the life of Jesus and let more light through in our lives. May the Holy Spirit come and continue to make you whole every day over the coming months and today. I ask that the band and Donald come back up. We're going to embark on our first moment next week as we start with a spirit-filled life. You and I, we're the disciples standing at the beach today, and Jesus is asking, do you trust me? Will you pick up your nets and follow me? And we all ache for change, don't we? For deep intimacy with the Father for the abundant life. And we too today are invited to pick up our nets and follow along. Follow him. Dan, if you want to come up as well. If we, as we land today, we're going to move into a time of response. As we embark on this journey together as a community, we'd love to invite you to a few options of responding. First, come and receive some prayer. Maybe today afresh you sense the call to say yes to Jesus and to follow Him. Maybe some of the stories you believe about yourself have resurfaced and you need to bring them back to the Lord. Maybe you just need to believe today that change is possible. You need the Holy Spirit to come and refresh you. Why don't you come? Come and receive some prayer today. Come forward. As you're making your way forward, the second option is going to be to come and receive some anointing oil today. Dan and I are going to be over kind of in this area. So come and be anointed with oil as we start this journey of becoming whole. Come and be blessed. Come receive the Holy Spirit once again. So why don't we stay in here too? Natalie's invitation is a very legitimate one this morning. She's just spoken beautifully on how we need to practice by putting our bodies into this. And, you know, if if you've been in moments like this when the church invites you to come forward and wondered, why is that special? Why why should I come forward? Why does that matter? Maybe it's just about re-gearing it today and thinking about it as as a moment of a practice, putting your body into alignment with your heart and alignment with your spirit. Uh, I couldn't agree more with Natalie's sense this morning of just coming 
and, and you, you may want to just come and just stand here in the middle around our communion table and just simply pray a prayer of repentance today. Lord, I, I sign up again. Lord, I'm in again. Lord, I want to come on your way. Uh, but do come and be uh, anointed. That's the other big thing. Uh, next week, next Sunday, we have our first week of the Spirit Empowered Life. We have a guest speaker. Uh, we have Aaron Hardy from Tarotini coming. He's going to start off our first week of the Spirit Empowered Life. But today we want to start early. We want to start early by inviting the Spirit to come now. So come. Come. Do you want to head over with the oil and just wait? But if you want to come to the middle, come. And we know that COVID's a reality for some people and, and there's going to be a sense of hesitation due to that. Just, just keep space. It's okay. Um, there are masks uh, over on the welcome table if you want to grab a mask on your way up. Uh, and we're going to just sort of navigate this sensibly but with the Spirit today. So come. Maybe you want to be anointed. Maybe you want to come and just stand and simply start to to pray. Come. Spirit of God, you're welcome here as we respond. As we say yes with our lives again. As we make space for you again to be Lord. The one who invites us to parisos Zoe, to an abundant life. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Empower us. Equip us. Move in our hearts again. sorry Lord for where we have strayed from your way we're sorry Lord for where we have turned from your ways we're sorry Lord for where we have segmented and divided we just say again Lord sign us up for a holistic picture this beautiful holistic picture that you offer us Parisosoli the abundant life the whole life come Spirit of God and do that work in our hearts lead us simply in singing Holy Spirit you're welcome here and so if there's there's nothing else that you want to do in coming forward or coming to the being anointed just sing with us forever there we'll just see what happens when we do that together and if you're a circle leader in our community if you lead a circle or you've been around for a while I would love you to consider yourself part of the ministry team this morning